Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Perfect Imbalance. On this show, we bring together conversation and expertise. My name is Jeff Way, and I'm the founder of Perfect Imbalance, the first podcast to challenge the myth of work-life balance and explore alternatives for improving overall well-being. Each week, I'll be interviewing different thought leaders, elite sports performers and entrepreneurs to understand how they are achieving happiness, success and greater fulfilment in their lives. So here's to you, the listeners, joining us each week. Welcome to Perfect Imbalance. On this episode, I share my interview with Karen Spenley, a champion for women in STEM. With over 20 years in engineering, solving problems and coming up with solutions for employees. Karen and I talk about women in STEM. That stands for science, technology, engineering and mathematics. We also get into talk about Homeward Bound, a groundbreaking leadership initiative set against the backdrop of Antarctica. In essence, it's a leadership program aimed at women working in STEM, and the community aims to heighten the influence and impact of women in making decisions that shape our planet. We also talk about work-life balance, and Karen is the first person to liken work-life balance to Harry Potter's Patronus spell in being different for everyone. Here's Karen. Karen, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to come on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to spend some time with you. So thank you very much. No, I look forward to look forward to the chat. Excellent. Now, with all of my guests, I like to dive straight in and uh, explore and understand a little bit more about what work-life balance means to you. So what are your thoughts on work-life balance? Um. So I, I think I think work-life balance is one of these um, one of these things that's bandied around, and I'm not sure anybody really understands what it means. Um, I think if I was to to try and give you an analogy, I think the closest I get would be sort of a Harry Potter Patronus spell, um, in that it's different for everybody, um, and you really have to work hard to make it work for you. Um, and I suppose just to, to, to add to that, I think also it's useful for, you know, to understand work-life balance, to get sort of perspective and understand your own values because you know, I, I've, I've been in industry quite some time and, and if you are continually surrounded by people in a sort of a, you know, the 365, 24-7 um, environment, then that becomes the norm and that's all that you see. Um, I think if you surround yourself with people that do different combinations and permutations, then it might help you to see what might fit for you. And then, you know, if you understand what your own personal values are, then again, you can then start to forge your way forward that, that fits. And, and I think it's very important that you're comfortable with the way that you're working, because if you're not, that's just going to cause, you know, strife and concern and stress and all of those things. So understanding where you want to be, I think, is absolutely key. Um, otherwise, you get dragged into someone else's definition of what work-life balance means. I love it. And I think you're the first guest on this podcast to actually 
uh, draw an analogy from Harry Potter. So thank you very much indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, like I said, I was just trying to think, it's different for everybody. What else is different for everybody that, you know, you can <laughs> imagine? You've, you've hit the nail on the head. And and, and I, I concur 100%. It, it is different for everybody. Yet, like a lot of things, we can find ourselves, if we're not careful, in that space where we are trying to to follow a map or, or conform to a certain way of doing things, but actually it doesn't suit us and our own circumstances. Yeah, and I think when I sort of hear, you know, corporations talk about work-life balance and well-being and trying to almost specify it, I think that's when you can kind of run into trouble because, again, you're trying to become prescriptive rather than allowing people to figure out what it is for them and how they can achieve it and how they can get there. Absolutely. And, you know, I spend a, a large proportion of my day job, uh, if you like, working with organisations to, to help them better understand well-being and, and mental health and to avoid going down this, this route of trying to be too prescriptive or, or trying to almost pin down what, what both of those things mean when actually they mean very different things to, to different people. So you're better off, you know, having that increased awareness when it comes to each of your individual employees rather than looking at one overriding strategy that, that might, you know, tick a number of boxes or, or fulfill a number of areas when, when actually the reality is going to be very different. No, precisely, precisely. And I think, and, you know, we're, we're only just beginning to understand how to talk about uh, things like work-life balance. Um, so, yes, I, I, it's going to be an ongoing topic, I think, for years to come. Yeah, I agree. Now, for those listeners that are curious, as I'm sure Samara's too, you know, what it is you do, can you describe what you do and, and why people want to you know, get involved and, and interact with you and work with you? <laughs> so, so what, what do I do? That's a very good question. Um, personally, professionally, you know, hobbies, whatever. Um, so, no, I, I think it's probably all of the above, yeah. Yeah, because... So, uh, I guess... Go on. Just to give you a little bit of insight, you know, that, that question is deliberately there to, to move us away from just giving our job title. Um, because that only gives us a, a smidgen of an insight into into what it is we do. So I, I love it when guests start to almost think, well, is it is it work? Is it is it personal? Is it growth? Is it hobby? And, and whatever it is you want to share. No, fair enough, fair enough. So I, I suppose that there's there's three um, three main things. Uh, there's my work. Um, I uh, I trained as an engineer way 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 back. Um, and I've been uh, working for an oil field technologies firm ever since. So I started off as an engineer, did Groovy Technology, um, and over time, I've, I guess I've gradually turned into some sort of a more of a, a problem solver or a process improvement type person across you know, multiple topics. Um, I'm, I'm currently actually in HR, despite the fact that I'm an engineer. Um, and again, we're looking at, you know, solving, solving problems and coming up with solutions for um, engagement and recognition of, of employees. So it's a completely different world. Um, and uh, I guess one that I'm exploring and learning and, and trying to come up with, with the path forwards for. Um, I'm a mum of three. So um, 
Uh, I work part-time and flexibly to try and do the juggle, if you like, try and achieve my version of, of work-life balance. Um, and I suppose the third, the third aspect um, is that most recently I've been accepted onto a women's leadership program uh, called Homeward Bound, and that's outside of work. So uh, as far as any other hobbies or anything like that, that's going to be when I retire or in a few years' time or something. Wow. You weren't giddy when you said, you know, is, is it working? Is, is, it, is it personal? <laughs> is, it, is it hobby? There's, there's a lot going on there. And, and, you know, there is, yeah. You, you, use the word, you use the word juggling. How, how do you manage that? Um, <laughs> I, I try really hard not to go mad. Um, no, I mean... I, th I think, I mean, I've, I've been working part-time now for about seven years. And um, as I mentioned earlier, you, you get really good at changing gear and switching topic and understanding, you know, switching very much from, you know, battling the kids into bed to coming online and giving a presentation or something. Um, and it is just being able to, I think it's compartmentalise um, so that you can switch gear from one to another. My husband says that I'm brutally efficient, um, which I guess partially helps as well. I, I love the word there, brutally efficient. Brutally efficient, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can be scary when I need to be, yeah. <laughs> but it, it sounds like from, from your perspective, you found a bit of a formula, if you like, by, by being able to compartmentalise and, and at the same time be, be efficient. And that... That, that would appear to work for you. And that's very different to, you know, what we're told or, or what's suggested to us in terms of how to achieve this work-life balance. And you've got something very different that's working for you. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what you refer to, particularly when you sort of say what we're told about work-life balance, but it's definitely not for me anyway, that you do this large portion of work if you like, in terms of, you know, 95 or whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden, black and white, you switch into um, recreation time. Um, and, and I think that's where I, I see a lot of corporations sort of switching in terms of, oh, well, no, people can't answer their emails after hours and things like this because we're, we're jumping into their work-life balance. But for me, the ability to pick the kids up from school and then switch back into it later or, you know, uh, you know, go to a school assembly uh, in the day and then flip back into it, is how I can do the juggle, if you like. Um, and so for me, that, like, that being able to switch backwards and forwards and, and efficiently, you know, do what I need to do is how I'm currently doing it. Now, you know, I guess maybe over time it can morph, I don't know. But um, yeah, like I said, it, it, I, I don't think I'm the only person to be doing this kind of thing because it's the only way of surviving, right? And seeing your kids. Yeah. And I think there are more and more organizations that are coming round to that way of thinking, albeit in, in many cases that they're, they're hesitant around, you know, what that might look like. Cause again, it, it varies from person to person. And, you know, if, if the policy was, you know, employees don't jump on their email and, and work in the, in the evening or the weekends. That wouldn't suit people like you and I, because actually there's, there's a, an energy that comes with that once you've been able to 
you know, go and pick your children up or, or go to an assembly, like you've said. So having that flexibility in, in terms of policy or, or process, I think is going to be even more crucial going forward. Yeah, and it does challenge some of the, you know, the concepts that you're told in terms of, um, you know, focus and time management and all of this kind of good stuff. But equally, like you said, sometimes you get your best ideas by a bit of distance and say, you know, maybe the five minute walk home or whatever it is, is when I might come up with an idea or a a presentation or, or, or a thought. So it, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess it, like you said, it's all personal. It just depends on how you work and how you can work, but equally how you can teach yourself to work. It's not where you are today doesn't necessarily mean that's where you'll be tomorrow. No, absolutely. I, I agree completely. I want to um, explore and delve a little bit more into some of the work that you are involved in with with Homeward Bound. At what point did did you decide to to, to get involved with that? And can you give us a little bit more insight into what it is? Yeah, sure. So um, Homeward Bound is um, a leadership programme for women in STEM. Um, It's uh, a 10-year programme that aims to build a network of a 1,000 women. And we're all being trained up in leadership, communication, visibility, strategy, a bunch of topics, so that we can be visible um, role models uh, for for women and, and girls who might want to go into STEM careers, and that, I guess for anyone that doesn't know, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, the idea being that to be, to be visible to women and girls going into those careers, to be visible and coach, so that we can get more women to the leadership table. Um, and also then advocate for policies for the planet. So easy things to solve, right? No, 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 no problem. So um, how did I get involved in it? Um, I mean, I guess, again, it's a journey, right? There was no, not one moment when I went, aha, this is for me. Um, but in terms of, you know, where I'd, where I'd got to mentally, um, I have three kids, but my last kid was a daughter. And... I suppose it's a bit like, you know, when you, when you buy a car and, you know, you, you think, you know, you're buying a unique, you know, VW or, or, or Polo or whatever it happens to be. And then all of a sudden everyone's got one, right? Um, so it was a bit like that in terms of, you know, I had kids before, I was aware of these things. But the minute I had a daughter, I became much more cognizant of the types of reports and the research that you see that say, if someone's playing with a young girl, they're much more likely to hand her, say, the soft toy than the train set. Yes. And they're, you know, four times less likely to be given a science toy for Christmas and things like this. And you just go, oh, my goodness, this is ridiculous. We have such a culturally ingrained, you know, approach to how we play with a child. It doesn't matter whether it's a girl or a boy, but apparently it changes the way we, we see things and we do things. And then I started looking at things like the statistics for the number of engineers in the UK who are female. And quite honestly, it hasn't moved a lot since I graduated, which made me sort of, I was a little bit surprised by that. And it's, if it's not the lowest in the developed world, it's, it's, it's pretty close to the bottom. I think it might be the lowest. Um, we're currently around one in nine engineers. And you sort of go, that's, that's, it's crazy. What is it? What is it that needs to change, you know, to, to affect that? Because, you know, I, I, thought we had a fairly you know open environment but there you go um and then the second everything comes in threes with me I guess and then the second component was um as I mentioned I worked part-time for doing it for about seven years and I'll be honest it's not been easy um 
you constantly have to almost justify or um, you know prove that you can do it um, and, and you know so it gets you thinking you know, what's the future how do we again change how do we move forwards um, on, on this kind of front if you like and Likewise, at school, I'm surrounded by, you know, lots of intelligent, educated women who really struggle to juggle what we're talking about, right? The work and kid balance. And quite often, therefore, the work ends up being jettisoned, you know, and it's such a shame. Um, and then the third aspect, uh, it's sort of like the engineer of me, if you like. I, you know, you see a lot of news... Um, you know, going back to the environmental aspect, you see a lot of news around, you know, uh, temperature rises and the glaciers melting and the amount of waste we're producing and reduced biodiversity. There's a lot of things being thrown at us. It's all doom and gloom. It's all, you know, um, the world is falling apart. But as an engineer, we are taught to come up with solutions, if you like. And I see very little of the current conversation being around what can we implement what can we do what solutions are out there and I suppose I, I know I sort of wanted to be part of that discussion and so when I saw the Homeward Bound program and with what it's aiming to do and with where I was at mentally it did seem to be an obvious fit um, and so I applied and I thought oh well you know I'm I'm the wrong age I'm in the UK I work for an oil field firm you know I'm just not going to get in but I did and uh, and now I'm in it's um yeah it's amazing and it's challenging and it's inspiring and it's scary all, all at once right so yes it's going to be quite the journey so wow <laughs> yes. wow yes I want, I, yes I'd, I'd like to almost go back a little bit and, un and understand a little bit more in terms of why why is there a shortage in, in terms of those careers or, or, or those jobs when it comes to females wanting to do you know science technology you know environmental and, and mathematics why, why do you think that's the case I, I think it has to be a large part cultural because you know, there used to be the debates that, oh, well, you know, our brains are wired differently and, you know, there, there is an innate, you know, sort of caring kind of aspect to, to, to a woman's brain. So that's why, you know, they go into being teachers and nurses and all of this. And, and then, you know, the logical spatial awareness, that's clearly, you know, bloke's brain. And there are, I mean, yes, you know, I'm sure I, I'm not a brain expert. There are, there are differences, but equally, I think it's a spectrum. And so, you know, if you look then at other countries that have closer to a third or a half of their engineers are female, then that takes away the sort of biological aspect, if you like. It is possible and it is possible to be creative and come up with solutions and be an engineer and have a female brain. So for me, that leads down that it must be cultural, it must be perception, it must be that everyone still believes that the engineer is the hard hat, greasy spanner environment, rather than the creative problem solving type role. And I think if particularly if you then sort of say and draw the link to society and what we will need going forwards in terms of technology that fits all parts of society, it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't therefore have diverse brains looking at the solutions. 
Um, so I, I, we really, really do, I think, have to understand that, uh, that it's an option and it's a viable option for, for, for females and girls to do. You're hugely passionate about um, more females and, and more women getting involved in, in engineering and, and, and also you know, the areas and the subjects that, that you've talked about. What do you think is the potential impact on, on the planet and society by, by having more female engineers and, and, and more women involved in, in, in those areas that, that we've touched on? Yeah, I mean, it's it sort of touched on it slightly there, but it, to me, it is about those ideas and solutions. Um, you know, we've we've been through, I suppose, several industrial revolutions, and you know, you could argue, are we in another one at the moment, the data revolution? I don't know, but there's certainly more to come. Um, and to me, and this is why I wanted to become an engineer, if you like, technology is embedded in our future, whether you like it or not. Um, we're surrounded by it um, and it's definitely going to be the key to solving some of the big issues of our time um, if you you know in terms of getting food and energy water security the energy transition is a big topic at the moment you know waste um, uh, handling and, and, and the likes and you know, if, if you look at all of the topics from, you know, data and space and medical and, and, and everything, I, I just, I can't see why you wouldn't want to be part of it. And you absolutely need to have, because it's going to have an impact on our lives across the board, getting all the ideas, all the solutions, all the thoughts, you know, that is the only way of getting the best, the best ideas and the best solutions forwards. And so that, that to me is if you're leaving out, you know, half the population, you're leaving out half the ideas. Mm, it's, a, it, it, it's a good thought. And, and actually, you know, listening to you describe some, some of those key challenges and issues that, that we face from a societal and, and, and a planet perspective, um, it, it's going to require a, a degree of engineering and, and, and understanding in those other areas for us to you know, come out of it the, the other side. Have there been any any teachers or, or encouragers along the way that have, you know, e either influenced you yourself in terms of getting in, into engineering or, or encouraged you to, to continue in, in that field? Um, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, I think everyone is always influenced along your journey, aren't you, by, by every conversation you have. But, um, I mean, obviously I have to give a shout out to my parents who um, were okay with the idea of me, you know, pursuing becoming an engineer. Um, it's not something that, you know, anyone in the family really knew of. Um, so it was a bit of a leap into the dark. So they, you know, <laughs> they supported me through that. Um, and then through... Through my career, I would say, yeah, there have been sort of particular engineers or managers who've given me particular guidance or um, made me do something that I didn't particularly want to do um, to develop me. Um, and then I think now probably my husband is a big influence. Um, I am not a confident person at all. I'm the first person to say that I can't do something or I shouldn't do something or it's too complicated or, you know, I can talk myself out of pretty much anything. 
Um, whereas my husband will be the first person to go, no, don't be silly, you'll be great. So <laughs> that I think really helps. Otherwise, I think I probably would still be hiding in a cave somewhere. <laughs> it, it's interesting that you say that because everything you've described so far would suggest that that actually you have a degree of, of confidence and clarity in, in terms of where you think you can make a difference and, and have an impact. Um, has has that always been the case it, or, or is that something that you know you you've become more aware of um in, in the last few years um <laughs> so so i suppose to me everything's always obvious right but isn't that the same for everybody um <laughs> i think this way therefore um in terms of having an impact no i think i think definitely when i was younger um no, I think I very much, you know, you, you survive your degree and then you start learning how to be an engineer and then you start learning how to be a manager. And more recently, I've been more involved in re-engineering, you know, corporate stuff. And so from that perspective, I think then you get used to the idea of change more um, and what, what might be possible and how you might go about it. I, I, yeah, I do think maybe that's a bit more of an experience for me, anyway, um, thing I, I can't see me me trying to forge ahead like what I'm doing now in my twenties. No, it's interesting because I've I've interviewed a number of people recently, and, and it, it tends to be something that that comes with with age and, and and a little bit more wisdom, I suppose. What what do your children think and and say about mum being an engineer? <laughs> they um well my my eldest wants to be an inventor nice. um so i suspect i might have had a bit of an influence there <laughs> um and uh he's always coming up and going mom mom how does this work or how does that work and sometimes i haven't got a clue you know when we're talking about sort of like <laughs> um particle physics and things like this you go you know i'm really not the right person to ask um, but they do, I guess they think, you know, everything's scientific, right? Um, and, um, and I'll be the first to admit that I don't, which is maybe a really good thing um, for me to say, because part of being an engineer, part of being a scientist is going and looking it up or testing it or measuring it or calculating it. It's not about just knowing. Um, so, yeah. And as for the, the others are too young, I think, uh, to even understand what the word engineer is, let alone that mum might be one. <laughs> I, I think it's cool and I think you know the, the reason I've come to that conclusion is that because it's not what society um, necessarily would would suggest or, or where we would direct uh, women or, or, or females you know when, when they're coming through that, that education and making decisions but but I'm thinking to myself well, what, why not because actually from what you've shared it makes absolute sense in terms of the the home bound project that that you're involved in how far into that program are you and and what have you what have you discovered or, or been surprised by so far surprised by okay so we'll um so we started back in november so we were quite early days yet um the way that it's structured um uh, it's remotely delivered, so it's across 33 nationalities and 25 disciplines. 
Um, but what they do is they sort of group them into smaller groups. So I'm mostly talking with the folks on, you know, our time zone, if you like, at the moment. Um, in terms of what we discovered so far, we're starting, it's a leadership programme, and the idea is therefore to start with sort of some fundamentals of leadership competencies, one of which is a very strong understanding of self. And so we're sort of digging into ourselves and our sort of predispositions, if you like, or the barriers that we put in place for ourselves because of how we grew up or the experiences that we've had and things like this. And understanding that therefore you bring all of that, and I don't want to use the term baggage because it makes it sound negative, but bring all of that sort of pre-programming, if you like, to the table, but understand that if you hear something or uh, see something that you may, may have an innate response to that. And understand that that's exactly what it is. Understand that that may or may not be appropriate to the set, the situation that you're in, and maybe be able to put it aside, and then you know come with a much more balanced or or a blank piece of paper to the to the negotiation table, if you like. And as we tackle some of these quite complex problems that we're going to start looking at. I think it's very important for us all to do that because we're coming from different backgrounds. You know, I'm coming from 20 odd years in the oil field industry as an engineer and a female from a Western country. And I grew up in the North and, you know, so, so there's all kinds of things that I'm, I, I'm programmed with. And then someone else might be coming to the table and they, they might be, I don't know, a marine biologist from Costa Rica or something. And they will come with a completely different set or there are some similarities, some differences, you know, but they will come with their own unique um, set of, of, of self, if you like. So when we get to the, the time of, of being able to really negotiate and tackle some of these problems, we have to be able to, to get around or over some of these barriers that we put in, in place for ourselves. And so that to me, you know, I'm used to sort of like hard facts and data and process maps and, you know, things like this. And this is much much more self-reflective and um it, yeah it's really interesting and you know i wish i had a psychology degree it, it sounds fascinating um especially as, as you described that you've got people coming from from different cultures different backgrounds different countries with you know different predispositions or, or programming you, you you culminate or the or the program culminates in in you taking on an expedition to Antarctica is, is, is that as a, a collective leadership group and, and, and if so what what what's the the idea or the thinking behind having that at, at the you know the, the pinnacle or the end of the program yeah so I mean as I mentioned earlier the 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 key goal is to build this network of a thousand women and they're doing that over 10 years so there's about a hundred women per year go through the program um, and it's remotely delivered, which is fantastic for people like me who are doing the juggle, um, because it means you can do calls either early morning or late evening. You can do your homework as and when you can. You know, there's no campus to go to. You don't have to, you know, like most sort of executive courses or anything like this, something like this. You go every other weekend somewhere, right? There's none of that. So it's remotely delivered. But in order to uh, get us to to become this big team, um, we'll work better if we're together. And so part of the, the three-week immersive in, in Antarctica is to do exactly that. 
part of it is to then consolidate all of the, the leadership um, topics that we're covering and come out of it with a, a plan going forwards. And why Antarctica? Um, it's seeing, it, it, it's very uh, representative of climate change and it's seeing double the temperature changes than lots of the rest of the world are seeing. Um, it also doesn't have, if you like, any association to any particular country. Mm -hmm. And so if you're building a global program, it's not like, you know, we'd be doing it in a hotel in Las Vegas or something, which therefore makes it sound American or you, know, you could do it in Melbourne and it would sound Australian. It's completely neutral. Um, and it's also inspirational because, you know, people have gone there in the past as, as explorers. And, and I guess that's kind of what we're doing in terms of exploring this alternative version of leadership, um, to being collaborative and inclusive rather than the lone wolf, if you like. And so there's a bunch of different reasons why Antarctica really, really makes sense. Um, and uh, yes, I'm part, part excited and part completely scared about the concept. <clears throat> and just to give us a little bit more of a, an idea, uh, when you're in Antarctica, are you, are you trekking to the pole? Is, is, is that the route that you're doing or are you, you know, spending time there as a collective, you know, having further conversations and discussions and, and putting into, you know, practice some of what you've, you know, unearthed or discovered during the 12 months. What what's that bit look like? Yeah, we're, we're definitely not trekking to the South Pole. Um, but what we are doing is the boat becomes our campus, if you like. So we will spend a lot of time doing our, our the leadership program on the boat. But then we will also visit several of the research stations in Antarctica to understand, you know, what they're seeing from a climate science perspective. Um, and so then we can come back and talk, you know, from an educated perspective, if you like. Um, and, I, and I think there's there's a little bit of play involved too, you know, probably the odd snowball fight or something, just to let us blow a bit of steam off. Well, you, you can't go to Antarctica and, and not throw a bit of snow about. It it sounds fantastic, and I, I almost want to sign up, but clearly I can't sign up. Um, where where do you see your role and what you're doing? once you've completed the, the homeward bound? Um, I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, there are so many opportunities, I think, uh, and so many things we could do with this. Um, the, way, the way that um, it's described in terms of having this collaboration of a thousand people, is that wherever we see an opportunity for improvement, um, we'll build sort of like mini teams, if you like, to go off and address a policy or, or a solution in a certain area and attack those. Um, personally, though, I think, and, and obviously that I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about advertising, you know, STEM and engineering for women. I am very enthusiastic, as you can probably tell, about alternative ways of working. And I think, I think that will help with, you know, the terrible numbers that we have in terms of um, senior executives in companies and, and, and the whole pipeline of, of people going through or of females going through the system. Um, um, but I think there's a bunch of things in terms of 
the energy transition or local businesses, local education, the local museum that I can see me getting involved with already, even though I'm only a couple of months in. Um, and also looking at how, uh, and we're having a conversation with this already within the Home Bound programme, how we can get more engineers on board with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, for example, and what it might mean if they all understood and knew you know, what, what could be done and what the options and best practices were. So you something already, you know, two months in, we're already discussing that kind of thing. I think the opportunity going forwards is, is immense. Um, but I don't have a crystal ball yet. <laughs> no, it, 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 it sounds like it is, it is full of opportunity and that, that, that's part of the purpose of, you know, creating this and, 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 and looking to, to get a thousand women, um, you know, through this programme. Where are, or where is the programme in, in terms of how many groups have gone, gone through so far and, you know, are there things that, are, that have already started to come out from previous you know, intakes to the programme that, that have directly come from, from people being on the programme? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, so I am cohort four. So three have, um, have gone before, if you like. Um, cohort three have just got back. They were, um, they got back in January, I think. Um, so it's really only one and two that have had a little bit of time to uh, absorb the program and go forwards and of course you know um climate change is a massive topic and you can't really solve it overnight um but there have been i suppose initiatives um around uh, encouraging uh, more grants in certain universities for certain research there's um a program already started on passing some of these skills on to researchers so that they can communicate if you like their science better um so rather than you know blind people with data tell a bit more of a story so that you can have more of an impact and people can understand the data a bit more um there's a few people uh, from costa rica who are um doing a lot of things at the moment because their country is i think on the verge of becoming completely green as far as electrical generation is concerned and things like this so it, it's starting to happen. It's still early days yet, but I think you will see more and more as we go forwards that uh, if you do some digging. There are a few people in, I think, COP24 in Poland, again, sort of on the negotiating table for some of the policies there. So, yeah, it, it's coming. Mm, it's, uh, it's fascinating, you know, listening to you talk about the, the whole the whole project, the whole programme, and, and, and being able to give, give some examples. And you're right, you know, only two groups in effect have, have gone through and the, and the third one is, is, is just finished. So it, it does take time, but it does sound like there are things, there are conversations and there are projects and initiatives happening already, which is great. Karen, what, in, in all of this, you know, whether, whether it, it's the work that you're getting involved with, with the Homeward Bound or, or as an engineer, um, or indeed as, as, as a mum and, and a wife and, and, and all those other roles that, that you fulfil and, and, and juggle as you kindly shared. What do you see as your purpose in, in all this and, and how you can make a good contribution? <clears throat> so, <laughs> I need my crystal ball again. Um, 
I think it's hard. I'm not, and I think this is where, again, it's knowing self, right? In terms of knowing, you know, where you could be or where you might be. Um, I'm not the kind of person who's probably going to be, you know, creating a movie or coming on TV or, or becoming prime minister or anything like this. Um, I'm possibly a bit too logical for that. But in terms of seeing through, uh, talking through solutions for people, connecting people, I spend a lot of my work at the moment connecting the dots and connecting people and networking. And I think that probably for me is how this will translate in terms of whether I'm connecting local businesses, connecting energy companies. Um, again, I, it, it, it's early days, I would say. Um, so it's quite hard to know what my purpose will be. But I am coming from it from a stance of taking the science and moving the solutions. Um, because again, I think we know a lot now. Um, there, yes, there's more research being done, more data coming out. But at some point, we have to switch into implementation and implementing solutions and making change and making action happen. Um, and yes, I understand that you know finance and policy are all part of that. But at the same time, um, like I said, the engineering me says, let's just let's do something. Let's get stuff done. Let's implement things that make sense, obviously, um, the practical and, and economical solutions. But um, yes, I think I think the conversation needs to move on. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the part that I hope to play. I love it, and there's a there's a, a lovely hu humility about about you and what you're looking to do and, and, and the part that you think you, you can play uh, as well as, you know, all the other, you know, parts of, of your life that are important to you and, and, and will remain important to you. Karen, I have at this point what I call some uh, 60 second quick fire questions <laughs> that I, I ask each guest towards the end of the interview. And this is really to, Give a slightly different insight from a listener perspective. So are you ready to answer some quick fire questions? <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay. It's like one of those quick round questions on a quiz show, yeah. This always goes horribly wrong, by the way. It never goes as, as 60 <laughs> seconds, so I don't know why so, I can't I was going to say, is there a clock ticking somewhere? <laughs> I might bring a clock in, actually, and have that visual there for the guests. So they know. Okay, here we go. First question, someone that you admire and admit to following on social media. <clears throat> so that was a really tricky one. Um, so, so as far as social media is concerned, I will admit to being a complete beginner. Um, so I have used Facebook for photos of the kids and all that, you know, sending messages to people and stuff. But <clears throat> as far as using social media for, you know, messaging or information, I am a complete beginner actually. And most of my professional network I'm finding as I as I um, head into this world are also likewise not connected. So I'm afraid I can't really admit to following anyone yet because I'm, I really am just getting started. But I do find it really, really interesting <clears throat> that a whole sector of society that I am mostly connected to, sort of my age, industrial folks, are not even remotely connected to sort of Twitters and things like this. Mm, interesting that okay so what does that mean going forwards right if, that, if that's how messages are being sent and that's how you know cultural social information is being passed there's a massive segment that's that's not not part of it yeah absolutely 
Absolutely indeed. Okay, three guests to have to dinner, past or present. <clears throat> Am I only allowed three? <laughs> I know. I like, oh my goodness, there's so many people. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you my first three. Okay. Um, so I think my first one, I would actually invite one of my granddads because <clears throat> I think um, there are so many questions that I that you don't ask as a teenager. You really don't. And I think you know, with a bit of life experience. That you know, looking back, he's like, yeah, I, I really would. I'd like to know, you know, their thoughts, you know, and and yeah. So I'd like to invite one of my granddads. Um, <clears throat> second person um, would be Melinda Gates, and the reason I um, would like to invite her is because recently, in particular, um, she's been um, and maybe she should have been on my social media answering the previous question, but. She's been talking a lot about some of the elephants in the room. Um, I think we've known, or people like myself have suspected for a while that, um, you know, the data on which a lot of our decisions is made isn't perhaps as broad or um, uh, neutral as we might like to think. Data can have a gender bias in it, um, depending on how you ask the questions and depending on how you gather it. And so if you, based your decisions on that you're therefore your solutions and implementations and policies will therefore not be gender neutral so she's starting to talk about these kinds of things and bring them to the surface so um i suspect she's got a very good view of the world that again i'd like to discuss with her over dinner um and my third person um would have to be i think david attenborough um, amazing person who again recently has been giving some very strong messages um, as far as what we should be doing um, That's so I'd like I'd like to pay him back by by making him dinner <laughs> and you've kept it to three people as well well like I said I could go on but I won't because I've got 60 seconds <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, a guilty pleasure, should you view it that way, which you do when you have some time to yourself. So, um, yeah, I think I think calling it a guilty pleasure is not that's not the right way to describe it. I, when I have some time to myself, I will walk up a hill or, if preferably, a mountain, um, because there's there's nothing better for me to give me some perspective and make me feel small and make all of the issues in your life feel even smaller um yeah brilliant That's, that would be my, my guilty pleasure brilliant a book or a podcast that you would recommend i'm gonna go old-fashioned and give you a book um i would recommend reading if you haven't already um barbara kingsolver's poisonwood bible oh, okay um and the reason I recommend it, it's a it's about a family of missionaries who go to Africa. I think it might be the Congo, but don't quote me. It's been a while since I read it. Um, and it's 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 not because I want to pass a particular religious message, but it's it's about them going out there with a certain set of beliefs and opinions, and those beliefs and opinions not really fitting the environment in which they find themselves. And it's the journey, if you like, that the family go through and the evolution of their thinking as they start to understand the culture around them um, that I found very powerful. And I think it, 
it does talk about you know the need to to learn from others and and maybe rethink what you think you know that sounds interesting i've not come across that so i'll uh, i'll have to have a look at that one yes one, yes one tip that you would suggest for improving overall well-being for me i would say brain space it, it kind of links to the perspective thing i suppose um a time where you can think through your own thoughts your values you know what you want um out of life um i uh i was reminded of this probably about 10 years ago um i did some volunteer work in sri lanka um on water sanitation and uh, the family that I was staying with every morning, about half past nine, they would all get together and they would all have a cup of tea. And quite often it, it, it was quiet, but they all just stopped and had a cup of tea. And it made me think, yeah, we don't, we don't do that very often these days. It's just stop and have a think. Um, so that, that to me, I think, I think, will help you set your compass if you like or reset your compass um yeah and i think therefore maybe we'd all be a little bit more sane i, I think there's something in that definitely karen who would you like to see or hear as a future guest on the perfect imbalance podcast um well clearly the other 94 homer bell women because <laughs> they are all incredibly intelligent inspiring ladies now i don't know the majority of them fit your work-life balance concept um uh, <laughs> but uh and then locally i think i think again there are a few people i could suggest here i'm not sure i want to name them on air but um that i take inspiration from locally because they are forging a different path if you like um and so i think i think one of them might be might be a good one to talk to next I love it. Anybody that's forging a different path um, sounds like the type of person that I would enjoy discovering a little bit more about. Yeah, How, yeah. So, so we'll pick up and we'll uh, we'll perhaps have a further discussion around that. Karen, how can people find out more about what you're doing? Well, I would love for people to um, find out more about what we're up to and come along on the journey, um, even if it's only electronically. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I'm a beginner, but I do now have a Twitter feed and a Facebook page. Um, and I'm guessing we can put the text um, somewhere on the podcast rather than having to try and read it out loud now. Yes, absolutely. Um, but what I will be doing is posting lessons, thoughts, discussions, you know, ideas. Um, and obviously when we get to the journey itself, um, uh, some of the photos and experiences from Antarctica. Um, I also have, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention this, I, we're having to fundraise to participate in this. We're 50% funded, but we do have to raise the other half. So I have a chuffed page on which there are lots of lovely perks. Um, but I think part of that discussion is looking for individuals or companies that would like to get involved and would like to start talking about some of the, these topics. Um, uh, because I think, I think, as we've mentioned, I think they are key to going forward. They're key to getting women into STEM and they're key to solving some of the big problems of today using a more collaborative approach to leadership. And I think that's 
for me, the groundbreaking aspect of this. And so, yes, no, I would love um, for people to join in with the conversation, with the discussion. And um, yeah, no, please follow me on, on, on all of the above social medias. Excellent. Well, as with each of my guests, I will ensure that all of those details of different social media platforms and indeed your page, your fundraising page is included in the show notes. Karen, what's your final takeaway for the listeners? So I think my final takeaway would be going back to that finding brain space or a time to lift your gaze and have a rethink. Um, a bit like in the Barbara King song, I think have a rethink about what you think you know, have a rethink about how things are working whether that's your work-life balance, whether that's um, you know, your footprint, um, your global footprint, um, whether that's about how collaborative and inclusive your workplace is. Um, yeah, lifting your gaze, rethinking, and encouraging others to do so, I think. Beautiful, and, and what a lovely final message to leave the listeners with. Karen, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to take some time out uh, and to share uh, some insight into you know what you're doing and and the great work that you're involved in in terms of the homeward bound so thank you very much indeed thank you josh it's been a great chat thank you a huge thank you to karen for agreeing to come on the show and sharing fascinating insight into what she's currently doing if you would like to start a conversation with karen you can find out details in the show notes of her Twitter and also LinkedIn details. Check out the link for her crowdfunding page as well. And if you want to read a little bit more, read the guest blog, An Alternative to Mainstream, which you can also find on the Ignite Performance website. Now, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do leave the show a rating on the platform that you listen to podcasts and write a short review if you would like to. You can also get involved on social media and ask us a question or indeed share some feedback using the hashtag perfectimbalance. Check out all the episodes to date via the link in the show notes. Now, tune in next time to hear my interview with Jeremy Snape, Managing Director of Sporting Edge, a company helping leaders and teams in sport and business to succeed. He's also a former England cricketer, holds an MSc in sports psychology, can be found taking part as a conference speaker and also a coach. Until then, remember this. When you have a balance, enjoy it. When you've got an imbalance, embrace it. But in those moments, you're striving towards achieving success, increasing your happiness, or looking for greater fulfillment. Bye for now.